Mark chapter 4. Mark is the second book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts of Apostles. Mark chapter 4. And we'll start reading from verse 35. Yeah, Mark chapter... Mark chapter... What do you call it now? Mark chapter 4. And we'll read from verse 35. It says this. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Amen. Everybody say, over to the other side. Over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat, so that the boat was nearly swamped. Now Jesus was found in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wave, the winds and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41, they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Are you not just glad that we have a God who demons, winds, and waves bow to? Amen. Now, God bless us. God, we ask Holy Spirit, God, this is your word. We're thankful for this moment. God, we don't take it for granted. It says a privilege to stand before the King of Kings, God. And Lord, help us, Holy Spirit, to acknowledge you all the more, all the more in this moment, God. You're the star of our show, God. So Lord, be the star of this one. We exalt you. We exalt you. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, have we prayed. Amen and amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated in God's presence. Amen. Amen. Um, I heard earlier, for the past three weeks now actually, we've been on a series called Savage Jesus. And the point of this, the entire point of this series is, is really is just about revealing Jesus through the things he did. Amen. Because uh, I, I discovered, I said I was not going to say this, but I'm going to say, often our revelation of Jesus is not very far from our experience of him that is the extent to which you know jesus is really to the extent to which you can experience him amen, amen. the experience to which we know jesus and, and and it's a it's a great fact because then he encourages us oh as we as we are pursuing after jesus and all that but also it's a it's a scary scary fact because it's a scary scary truth because then our revelation of jesus can also limit our experience of him does it make any sense? Yes. Our revelation of Jesus can limit our experience of him. You cannot tell me now that you want to really experience Christ Jesus and all you ever really did was say a two minutes prayer. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, Jesus, Jesus shows up. But I don't just need Jesus to give me goosebumps on a Sunday morning. Or, I mean, for our sakes, right? Sunday afternoon. I don't just need Jesus to give me goosebumps or make me feel good. Or just, you know, that chill feeling when you're in the presence of God and like God is here. I don't, know, I don't know Jesus to give me something that minute, right? I have real life problems that I need Jesus to show up in. Are you following me now? Yes, but you, the, manner, if the, the crazy thing is, if we do not have a realization or a revelation of Jesus that goes beyond Sunday, we will never really be able to experience Jesus in the trenches of our week. Right? We'll never really be able to experience Jesus in times where we need him. Jesus, I need you right now. How, do we, how, would, how can I experience Jesus on Tuesday if my revelation is only as short as, the, as Pastor Emmanuel's sermon, uh, sermon uh, time span on Sundays? Are you following me now? Uh, if, if, uh, and how do we get a revelation of Jesus? We study his word. Amen. We are, we are every, every the past couple of weeks now, we've not, there is no day we've not opened our Bibles and learned something about Jesus. Why? If, we, if I want to experience him in a new way, how do I do that? First, by getting a revelation of him. So the revelation is tied to the experience. Write that down. The revelation I have of Jesus is tied to the experience that I can have, that I will ever have of him. Amen now. Amen. You want Jesus to speak to you? You want to hear God's voice? Be it the out loud one or the internal one. How else do you hear his voice? You study his word. That's when you get the revelation of him. And through that, you can have an experience of him. 
Amen. Are you, are you following me, everybody? Yes, sir. It's like, it's like, uh, now, personally, I love languages. The idea of languages, the concept of languages, I love it. I love trying to learn new languages, right? Recently, we had some people in our compound that were speaking Hausa. That's a different language, right? From our mother tongue. And whenever they're talking, I'm always intrigued by the language. So uh, whenever I hear them talk, I try to like, try to uh, know what they're talking about. I remember sometimes asking the Holy Spirit to interpret it for me, like to Holy Spirit give me subtitle, right? Because then sometimes it's happening in real time. You want to know what is happening here, right? Because you don't speak this language by default. And so what I did was I would ask this lady uh, randomly, what is this in Hausa? What is help me get this? She would tell me, oh, okay. What is sorry in Hausa? What is good morning in Hausa? Little, little things. Because now, now the little, little things I've gathered, whenever I hear them talking, I do not have, I do not, I have no idea what they're talking about. But if I hear some words that I'm familiar with, I can draw a pattern. Does it make sense? I can draw a pattern. Oh, this is probably what they're referring to, or this is what this might not be. You know what I'm saying? And what am I saying? The revelation that I have, the little revelation I have of the language, now is determining the experience I have of it. Are you following me, everybody? Yes, sir. Uh, so months ago, we did daddy issues, right? Yes. And I think I remember saying something like, uh, our, the way we relate, to, the way we see our, our earthly father would automatically is parallel to how we see our heavenly father, right? Because like, it's still in the same way, in the same vein, the revelation that we have will always, deter will always determine the experience that we get. Amen now. In this chapter that we have just read, Mark 4, it is... Shocking. It is shocking for so many reasons. Number one, first, here's why. Mark 4 is a very, it's a, it's a very wild chapter. And no, like, not even wild now. It's a very long chapter. It has over 40 verses. And Jesus preaches about three sermons in one chapter. Hey, listen, everybody. Not just that. I'm guessing from, because now in this same in the same context, no, not chapter now. In the same context, if you, if you go back to, if you go verse two, back to Mark 3, right? We see Jesus healing on the Sabbath. And now he's having to uh, quarrel. Well, not, not exactly quarrel, but he's having to respond to his critics. In the same day, he goes over somewhere else to go and preach the gospel. And now the crowd is so much, he had to preach under the hot sun, right? And so Jesus is exposed under the hot sun for hours and hours and hours. And now when evening came, say like 6 or 7 p.m., Jesus says, all right, disciples, let's go over to the other side. Are you following me now? Yes, now, in their journey to the other side, we find that we, we, we discover that the disciples are, are met with a storm. Are you following me, everybody? Yes, they encounter a storm that they, they, I think the KJV translation says a furious, sorry, that's the NIV rather, says a furious storm. That is storm that honestly, when you think about it, it's not, it's, it, it's not, it's, it's not so strange anyway. Because number one, one, once it's evening, there's a way the winds, winds move, and it's a lake by the way, there's a way the winds move in the evening that can create a storm very fast. So first of all, they're not very, it's not outlandish to find a storm at this time of the day. But what was, what was shocking about it, or what is shocking for me, now maybe not disciples, but for me, is the fact that, Jesus was with them, yet they still had a storm. Amen. Now, follow me. Amen. Follow me. Now, of course, I know it's not my first time saying this, but I, I hope we never really think of Jesus or life with Jesus as immunity from all of life's problems. Right? I hope we never really see, oh, that Jesus is, with, Jesus is with me. I mean, okay, look at this. I love this. I love this so much. The first thing he said, verse 5, 35 says, one evening was come, Jesus said to them, let us go over to the other side. Now, it's, it's one thing for Jesus to have given them an instruction, right? Let's go over to the other side and they say, all right, no problem. And they go without him. I mean, so many of us, God gives us an idea. And the last person we really consult before we go on the idea is him. Mm. Right? But this is different for the disciples, right? They, Jesus told them, go over to the other side. And do you know what it says in verse 36? Uh, it says, and when they heard, when they sent multitude away, they took him with them. So Jesus was not just, Jesus, Jesus, didn't, Jesus, uh, Jesus didn't just give them an instruction to go over to the other side. He also did what? Went with them. But it's so shocking that even with Jesus in the boat, the disciples met with a storm. Are you following me now? The disciples met with a what? A storm. And this 
makes me think deep. Help me out this, please. Thank you. This makes me think deep, right? Of the times in our lives that even though it feels like, yeah, God has sent you to do this thing. God has called you to this. God, you know, you know even if you're not 100%, if, if your faith is not 100%, right? You have 50% faith, right? 51% faith, maybe. 51% faith that God has called me to this. But then there's a storm that questions, right? Even his presence. Ever been in moments like that? Right? When you're in that storm and you're like, oh, is God even with us? And so, so you know that you're not the first person that this has happened to. It happened to the disciples. And look at their response. They ran to Jesus and said, Master, Master, do you not care that we perish? Do you not care that we're about to die? Because the storms are now, it's not just winds now, it's not just winds and waves. Now it's water. The storm is so heavy that the water, Bible says the water had almost filled their boat. And you know, if anything, it's a bad thing for, to have water in the boat. That means the boat will sink. And so somehow, I've even been in moments like I anyway, where you feel like, it's not just that I'm, 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 I'm fighting against external forces. Now some of these external forces are kind of gotten into me. And now they are sinking me somehow. I'm not sure I have the stability that I need. I'm not sure I can go any further. I'm afraid I might just perish here. Because if we are to be honest with ourselves, these storms, I know I've said it, probably I've said it in the past that God allowed the storm. Yes, he did. But you know, God, did not send, God didn't send the storm. See, storms are never really a handiwork of God. In, well, no, no, don't get me wrong. There, I'm not saying there are not times where God sends. I mean, he did for Jonah. But sometimes, uh, the, once it's evil, once it's anything negative, God doesn't okay straight negative. God doesn't do evil. That's the devil's job. God permits evil sometimes. Are you following me now? God did not take all of Job's properties away. Who did that? The devil did. But God permitted it. God did not permit, I mean, God did not send the storm to, where, uh, to the boat, to the sea where the disciples were on, the lake. The devil did so. The devil raised an opposition against them. We said it two weeks ago. It's a very similar story, but they're different. Two weeks ago, Jesus was not present with them in the boat. They encountered the storm, right? So we can say, oh yeah, maybe the reason the disciples encountered the storm, that's Mark 6, right? The reason the disciples encountered the storm in Mark 6 was because Jesus was not with them. We can agree to that fact. But go back, Mark 4, 35, 6 to 41, thereabout. says that Jesus was with them in the boat when the storms came. But what was he doing? Popular story, right? Bible says he was what? Sleeping. Jesus was asleep in the stern of the boat. Now the stern usually is even where they control the boats. So Jesus was, where, where Jesus was supposed to be rowing with them. What was he doing? Sleeping. <laughs> he was sleeping in the control room of the boats. Are you following me now? Yes, sir. This is the, we are, in, we are faced, we are in a storm right now, Jesus. Do something. You know, is that not what we want? Just do something right now. Get me out of this mess. Just do something right now. Get me out of this trouble. Do something right now. Anything. Jesus, anything. Kill someone. Send thunder and lightning. Jesus, do something. The God of the days of Elijah. Where are you? Are you not alive? Do I need to, do I need to sing some more to get you to wake up, right? And we treat God like he's Baal sometimes. Like we, want to, we need to sing more to get God's attention. We need to pray more to get God's attention. Right? That's what the prophets of Baal did, right? And all Elijah had to really do was say, God, do this for the sake of your children so they might know today that you are the true God. And God sent down fire from heaven. Elijah didn't even have to scream. But now we have to scream and shout and we are like the prophet of Baal. Don't do anything. Just do anything. Do anything. Right? Because we do not feel like he's active. But first of all, if we're going to really understand the magnitude of the God we serve, we have to first, we have to first find where he is seated in our boat. And do you know where God is seated? In the control room. So even though you do not feel his presence, he is still in control. Does it make any sense, guys? Even though you don't feel his presence, guess what? He's still in control. And you know the, the pretty, pretty daunting um, facts in this text is that throughout this text, there was no mention of Jesus not knowing of the storm. There was just a mention that he did not physically react to it. Are you following me now? Yeah. There is no way in this text that said Jesus did not know there was a storm. Mm. The only thing in text says he was asleep in the storm. Meaning he did not physically react. Yeah. 
Are you following me now? Yes. But somehow we interpret it to our, for our day-to-day lives, right? We interpret Jesus' uh, inactivity in that sense. Like we cannot feel him. We don't know, we don't know if he's present right now. Right? It is getting more chaotic. It is, going, it is getting more crazy, right? And we do not feel him or see him. We confuse that to meaning he is not aware of our circumstances. That's number one. The f- our first, that, let, let's just make this a point, right? Our, f- our first, our, ris- our human responses to trials and temptations, right? The first thing is we, we assume that he is not aware of our situation when he does not physically respond or react to it, right? Number two thing, number two thing, when they, wake, when they, went, to, they went to wake him up, uh, they said, Master, do you not care that we perish? Number two thing, we assume that God knows but he doesn't care. Are you following me now? We assume that, oh, God, you see what I'm going through. You see the things that I'm faced with, but you just don't care. Or maybe it's because I didn't tithe last week. Or maybe because I, didn't, I, I forgot to pray last night. Maybe it's because I missed, I missed my day of fast. Right? And somehow we assume God does not care because we feel he's inactive. Are you following me now? But what's the first thing I said about God? Is that though we, it feels like he's not present, he's still in control. Are you following me now? But you see, there's a side of God that walks, right? To give us a new revelation of himself. And there is another side that stays silent. Because he wants to give us a revelation of what he has put inside of us. Are you following me now? There's a side of God that walks, right? To give us a revelation of himself, a new revelation. But there's another one that is silent in times when it feels like we need him the most. Because he wants to give us a revelation of what he has put inside of us. Are you following me now? And I'm going to teach you today for the first time. You're probably hearing this for the first time. Because I know you've read this text a billion times. You've heard this story so many times. Jesus said, why do you have no faith? But you don't understand what he means. What did, what did Jesus mean by asking his disciples, do you have no faith? Right? And I, you would understand at the end of this, the areas in our lives also where we walk without faith. Amen. Amen. All right. Sorry. Um. Brent, could you lend me 200? Just lend me 200 now, real quick. Stand up, please. Lend me 200. All right. Thank you very much. How much is everybody? 200, right? This is it 200 now, I know. Now, let me tell you one really interesting thing. The reason I gave you your wallet mid-sermon and said, could you hold this for me? You had no idea I was going to ask you for this. But you see, when I asked you for the wallet, I knew that there was this inside. And so when I'm asking you, give me this. I am not give, I'm not asking you for something that I have not given you. Are you following everybody? So somehow, this storm was permitted by God to place a demand on the faith he has given to them. Are you following me now? Imagine if she stood up and said, I don't have. Oh, give me this. And you're like, I don't have. And she checks it indeed, and there is nothing there. Are you following me now? That makes me look false, right? Like a false prophet all of a sudden. Give me this, and you're like, I don't have. And you're expecting like, prophet, the pastor just messed up his analogy. But the only reason I gave you was because I knew there was something inside of you. The only reason God, Bible says in the book of James, that even he will not permit the temptations that are greater than what we can carry. Greater, stronger than what we can handle. He will not allow it to come towards us. Because he has given us enough strength. So when the storms come, we have enough to carry us in it. Are you following me now? So what am I trying to say? What am I trying to say? The storm was a demand on their faith. Are you following me now? Yes, sir. I mean, two weeks ago, it was about Jesus walking on water, right? Last week we spoke about Jesus being really active. I mean, kicking tables 
and, and forming whips out of cords and all that, or cords out of whips, and just doing all that, and that just being really active. But sometimes we've got to talk about when it feels like Jesus is inactive. Are you following me, everybody? When it feels like Jesus is asleep. The beauty in this passage is that Jesus spent hours upon hours upon hours teaching the people. Right? And I want you, I want you to understand this. This is a very great thing. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for just bringing it to my heart. I just want you to know this. Jesus spent hours upon hours upon hours upon hours teaching people, the crowd. You know, some just some verses before this, he spoke about the mustard seed. So the kingdom of God can be compared to a seed of mustard. When it when it's sown like a little plant, it becomes a big mushroom, big it, it turns into a big tree and all that. And he taught them theory. But you see, how God teaches his children, his disciples, is he teaches them in the field. Practical. He taught everybody, the kingdom of God. Have faith like a mustard seed. You can tell, say to this mustard seed, or you can say to this tree, be uprooted, be cast into the sea. He said all that, cute, all of those cute things. And he did all of that. But when he got to his disciples, he didn't say anything. All he had to do was throw them into a storm. Are you following me now? Yes, sir. Somehow the storm placed the mind of what they had inside of them. But do you know what? They messed up. They blew it. They blew it bad. I mean, imagine right now, I... Gave you this money, right? And I say, give me this. And you say, I don't have. And I'm, I'm trying, like, now you're messing my sermon up, right? I'm like, check. I'm like, I give you. Check. And you're like, I don't have. I, I, I don't have. I don't have. And you keep yelling, I don't have. I don't have. But I'm like, I, you do. I put it inside. I gave it to you. And you're saying, I don't have. I don't have this stone in there. I don't have what you're requiring of me. That is, first of all, first of all, you just messed up my sermon illustration. Number two, I'm very annoyed. Because you do not even have enough faith in yourself to begin with. You see, one of the biggest problems the disciples had was not just a failure in their recognition of Jesus as God, but also in, the, in their failure to recognize that Jesus right, had put something inside of them. Our failure to recognize that Jesus is God and a lot of our situ situations and circumstances sometimes is even lead to compare to our failure to recognize that this Jesus lives inside of us. I follow everybody now. Yes, sir. And somehow, Jesus had to take the disciples out. You know how you teach your kids sometimes? Sometimes you teach them, you, t you tell them, you know, uh, don't do this, don't do that. Sometimes you take them out. Come and show them the world. Let them see how they naturally react, naturally react to things. Then you can say, aha, uh -huh, this is the bad thing and this is the right one. Are you following me, everybody? Yes, sir. So, the fact that Jesus was asleep when the disciples needed him the most, I know it looks like, number one, he's unaware of their problem. And number two, I mean, it's very much evident in what, what the disciple said when he met Jesus. He was like, hey, Master, do you not care that we perish? First, do you not care? Second, we perish. You see, when Jesus got up, the first thing he did, he did not respond to any of the, any of the faith. I mean, let's, like Jesus is so good, right? He's so nice and so kind. He could have just gotten up and said, you know, in the middle of the storm, start having arguments with him. Like you are irresponsible. Peter, I thought I was going to build my church upon, your, upon you, but this is how you want to act my church? Just a little storm, you're acting like this, Peter? Is this, is this what I've taught you? I taught you so much, Peter. I, I taught you so much, Matthew. Bartholomew, you too. That's an, I just remember the person named Bartholomew, and you're in my boat. You too. Are you following me right now? Like, he could have just, you know, and, and, and they would start arguing and bickering. And they're like, Jesus, don't you? And by the time they're done, all the disciples fall into the water and they die. Except Jesus. Because he's immortal. Right? I think that's one of the things that must have made the disciples really scared, right? That Jesus, you, might, you won't die. If you fall into this water, you will not die. The angels will bring you back up. But we will die. If we might fall into this water, we drown. We cannot come back up. Right? So that fear must have, con must have commanded their response, right? Jesus, Master, do you not care that we perish? And Jesus got up. First thing he did, Bible says he rebuked. That's how you know it was not from God. Right? If he was, it was, if he was from God, all he needed to do was say, "Shh." The Bible says he rebuked the waves and winds. 
Are you follow me now? He, he just rebuked them. And all he said was, quiet, be still. And the moment he said that, the entire place was still and calm. The entire place froze. And then he turned back to his disciples and he said this. I'll read it. He said this. Why are you so fearful? Fearful. And how is it that you have no faith? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? You see, he didn't ask, he didn't ask whether they knew it was from God, it was from the devil or not. He didn't ask, he, by the way, he didn't even ask, he didn't say, why did you wake me up? Because that would be bad. If, if, if Jesus gets angry whenever we call upon him, I mean, let's all just, let's all just give up now and kill ourselves. Let's just, let's just turn for communion. Let's just put a little bit of poison in the communion. Let's all just drink and die right now. Because Jesus will not come to our rescue when we need him. But it's not that. He was not angry that they woke him up. Are you following me, everybody? It was, Jesus, the reason he was angry was because, like I said, the storm placed demand on your faith. But at this point, he had taught them so much Shown them so much for them to have no faith at all. Are you following me now? Yes, I, 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 I know that we say, and I believe it, that God can never be disappointed in us. Like, I mean, why would, why would we ever disappoint God? Like, why, no, why can God ever be disappointed in us? Like, I'm disappointed in you. I put so much inside of you. Like, I'm disappointed in you. But don't get me wrong. We can disappoint God sometimes. I mean, Jesus was disappointed by their response to storms. It was faithless. And it makes me think whether there are times in our lives also where, like I said three weeks ago, I said that uh, the only reason Jesus was never anxious was because his response was different. Remember that? The only reason is he was never anxious. He saw a storm. Look at Jesus literally woke up. Now, thank God I'm not Jesus, right? Because first of all, if you wake me up from a good sleep, especially if I spend the whole day preaching the gospel, you wake me up. First of all, I can't. My brain needs like five hours to boot, right? It, and it's like first thing, like you know, that's when you, your words are really incoherent when you're like partially awake, partially asleep. And like they're looking at you, like what are you saying? Get out! There's a storm, right? I'm much more. Been, you know, you are asleep and someone comes and they shake the. I hate you when you shake me when I'm sleeping. Like, they come and shake you. Boom, 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 boom. Like, you would, you would literally, the fear that would jump out of your system. Right? But that, this shows also the divinity of Christ. How he was never even afraid. He, he, they woke, he came, they came to wake him up. Jesus, Jesus, do you not care, Master, do you not care whether we perish? And all he did. He got up, he saw the storms, he rebuked it. I feel me now. There was no, it, it, was not a, it was not a thing where, oh, he just came out. I was like, what's going on here? He didn't do anything like that. He got up and calmed the storms immediately. Telling us that, see, number one, he's not shocked. Like, I am not shocked. I... Are you telling me that Jesus, Jesus is God for crying out loud? He already saw the storm five hours before. Moreover, he, was, he could have told his disciples that let us sleep here overnight. There's a storm coming. Okay. Instead, what did he say? Let us go over to the other side. So he knew there was going to be a storm somewhere. He knew that the storm was going to meet them. And you know what he, saw? You know what he did on time? He slept. <laughs> like he just knew that 10 minutes or 15 minutes from now, there's going to be a storm. So now, you know what? Let me sleep now. Let me sleep now because I know this, this, this idiots are going to wake me up 15 minutes from now. <laughs> so let me sleep now so I can wake up 15 minutes later and just calm the storm. Right? And then go back to bed. Uh, you follow, are you following me? So he already knew from long before that he was, going to, he was going to wake into a storm. But he already was aware of it. But you see, Jesus, the, the, uh, when, God is when God is silent, it does not mean he is subject to the storms even. God's silence does not mean weakness in any way. Like Jesus, Jesus being silent does not make him weak. Let's not make that mistake. 
of assuming that because I cannot see God in my day-to-day -day activity or life or whatever it is, that that means, means he is weak. Follow me now. What, who was weak in this place or what was the real weakness in, this, in, this, in the boat that night? It was the faith of the disciples that was weak. Right? Weak faith. But I'm so, I'm so glad that God, even, God still honors weak faith. I know, I mean, let me tell you all something, right? This week, it was an amazing week, I wouldn't lie to you, it was an amazing week. Um, so, there was, this is, this is so crazy, this is so crazy, right? Some days ago, this week, I think it was, it was on Tuesday, I was, I, I mean, on Tuesday, I was really wondering, because I had like two or three different sermons, like, what am I supposed to preach or whisper? Because, you know, it's not just, I'm not just uh, looking to, Preach anything, right? Yeah. It's what is the now word. I mean, I told you I've had this sermon for over for like since January, right? This entire sermon is li it's listed. Jesus cleans. Jesus walks. Jesus, it's written somewhere. But then I'm like, God, what do I preach today? What do I preach this on? What do I give people this on? What is your word? And so at some point, I just felt some type of way. I felt you know cumbered. I felt kind of like. Heavy in my spirit. I couldn't really pray. I couldn't really do any of that because sometimes when sometimes he climbs on your shoulder so much, the, the the power to pray is not there. So what I did, I there's a thing called contemplative prayer. I said I, I was supposed to talk about this next week, but I'm going to talk about it now. There's a thing called contemplative prayer, right? And it's that thing where you just shut your eyes and you meditate, right? But I don't like using the word meditation because then it looks like one of this new age nonsense, right? Like um, but that's not this meditation I'm talking about. It's like just closing your eyes, taking your Turn your phone away or turn it off. Be silent, be still, right? Like be like this, the waves of the ocean. Be quiet, be still. Like, like Moses told the, uh, Israel, be still or just be quiet. And know that the, the Lord shall deliver you. All you need to do is be still, be quiet, right? And so all I, I tried to do that, right? It was quiet. Taking deep breaths and all. A few minutes later, I heard in just in our passage, because I was in the room, I heard a little, just a little thing in, in our, uh, this little corridor area. I heard a sound, a rumble. What is that sound? I just, you know, I, I heard it. You know, like, you might not meditate now. Listen to God. Listen, God wants to speak to you. Listen. All right, all right. I was there. And then I heard the sound again. Rumble, boom. And then I heard my mom's voice. And this is where my mom's voice went. Anyway, and now here's, here's, here's why I was even more intrigued by that. She said, anyway, and then I heard the rumble afterwards. Now, here's the thing. Where I heard the airway and the rumble was the exact same place I plugged my phone. And so the moment I heard airway and I heard a rumble, all I thought of, my phone is on the floor. So I ran out of the room to where my phone was. And guess what? Lo and behold, my phone was on the floor indeed. I was shook. Like, oh my God, my phone. First, I didn't even check any other device. I didn't even ask my mom, are you okay? First thing I did was check my phone screen. All right, it's intact. My baby's clean. My baby's still okay. I went to, I went to see. And as, as I was returning back into the room, it was then I remembered I was actually trying to meditate. Are you following me now? Like, it was then I remember, oh my God, I was literally just having a conversation with God. Just last minute. I literally forgot and I got so distracted by something I can't even compare to a storm. Are you following me, everybody? Yes, sir. So you know what? I believe that. I wouldn't lie to you. I believe it. I, I didn't do well. I was not a good, I, I mean, I'm confessing right now. It's not therapy, but y'all just permit me to like bear my, this is not me being insecure anyway, but just allow me air my, Floors a little bit, right? So some days later, right? I think Friday, Saturday. I was like, I'll try it again. I'll be contemplative and pray. I'll be silent, meditate. I woke up this time. I woke up six in the morning. Show you how serious I was. I woke up six in the morning. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to pray. So I sat up on my bed and I started meditating. Started, you know, silent. I was just, you know, hymns of worship and praise was just in my head, in my head. And uh, a few minutes later, I was into it. I, and I wasn't sleeping. Now it wasn't one of those things where you doze off, right? I was up. I was, I was there, ah, taking deep breaths. And next thing I heard, do do doom. That was the sound. Do do doom. And immediately I jumped out. I didn't even think to it. I jumped out because I knew that that was the sound of a laptop. And my brother was using the laptop. And I'm like, we don't have good power. And you're using the only laptop in this house that has light. So I jumped out of the room, poem. I said, Jesus, all my sound effects. Like, I should probably work in Disney. I just ran out of the room, right? To where the laptop was. And I was pissed. Why would you use the laptop? And I was almost freaking out. Cause, but I couldn't make so much noise because it was very early in the morning. And then as I was returning back to the room again, I remembered. Frack, I was just in a meditation 
Like, I was literally just meditating. I completely forgot I was meditating at the sound of my Windows alert system. Now, why have I given you all this example that is crap? But it's real. And uh, I didn't make any of these stories up. It really, it really did happen this week. Why? Because you see, I know that I have preached it. You've heard it. You've said it so many times. You know, Jesus is in your boat and all that. But Jesus being in our boat, like I said, does not evade the storms, right? But the real question now is, why do the storms come? Why is it that it is only that time you want to pray that there is distraction? You get it? Why is it that it is the times when you say, you know what, I'm going to honor God and I will deprive my flesh of something, maybe food, maybe sex even, maybe something. It is the time I say I'm going to deny my flesh of something, my flesh starts to get really hungry. The days I choose to fast are the days I feel hungry the most. Like when I don't want to fast, it can be 6 p.m., y'all, and I'm cool. I'm like, I'm cool. I'm not like, oh, I want to eat. I'm rolling on the floor. So like, no, no, no. I'm cool. Legit cool. I'm going 9 p.m. I've not eaten breakfast. This happened. I'm not capping, y'all. It happened over and over. 9 p.m., 10 p.m., no breakfast, no lunch, nothing. And I'm cool. I'm fasting. And I'm not even fasting. I'm like, I just feel very, feeling very cool. But the days, is the days when I choose to fast. The days when I choose to pray. The, day when I, the days when I choose to see God's face. The little distraction just creeps up. It's the days you choose to honor God that something, someone, one child of darkness will just try to, just try to like, get into your head and you're so mad. Yes. It's the days when you've chosen to, when you've chosen to like seek God and put God first. That is the day that you remember that there are all that things that need your attention. Are you following me, everybody? Yes, sir. Why does God allow these things happen? When you're like God. You know, let me think about going over to the other side, right? Let's think about it, you know, in, 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 this, in this sense. We're going over to the other side. What's the other side? I want to be better. I want to be stronger. I want to be more devoted. I want to be committed. I want to honor more. I want to be respectful. I want to be respectable. I want to, uh, uh, what, give, me, give me some other cute words. I want to be more patient. Let's say things that we really want, we really wish to go, go in our lives, right? Give me, someone give me a word. I want to be more patient, right? I want to be more confident, right? On, on, what, what? What other words? Don't give me one word. I want to be confident. I want to be more. Yeah, I want to be a better leader, right? I want to be a better leader on the other side. I want to be more diligent on the other side, right? I want to be better on the other side. I want to be bolder on the other side. I want to be courageous on the other side. I want to be more disciplined. Thank you on the other side. That's what we want on the other side. But it is always crazy that it is the time we say we want to actually. You know, actively go over and do something better. Be better on the other side. Be bold on the other side. Be more confident on the other side. It's those little times of bold decisions that we were met with storms, distractions, battles, wars, conflicts, and all of these things. Why does God permit all these things? Because, like I said, the storm places demand on our faith. The distraction is placing demand on your discipline. Put that down, everybody. That's because I, I love that. I love that. The distraction is placing demand on your discipline. How disciplined are you? Don't tell me. I will find out when there is a storm that, that you are faced with. Are you follow me now? Yes, sir. How bold are you? Don't tell me. I will find out myself. When storms attack you, you like to mouth and say, Yo, well, I'm the big dog, nothing can come against me. I'm the big, and you like to say all these things. All right, no problem. When the storm comes, are you still the big dog? All right, I see the little puppy right now. Are you following me, everybody? Yes, sir. And so it places what? Demand. The storm places demand. The distraction places demand on your discipline. Right? Uh, the the uh, fear places demand on your faith, right? I'm looking for more words that rhyme. Honestly, that's what I'm trying to do right now. It the idea of the storm is to place demand on your strength. Oh, I love that one. The storm places demand on your strength. The distraction places demand on your discipline. The fear places demand on your what faith. 
It places demand. Let me for one other good word, right? The uh, the conundrum, good one, places demand on your confidence. The conflict places demand on your courage. Are you following me now? The conflict places demand on your courage. The, uh, 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 why we are doing this one today is because I want to give you this angle of Jesus that may not be physically present but is still in control. Are you following me everybody now? Yes, sir. So Jesus might be silent. We might not hear his voice. We're in the boat. We can't hear his voice. We know we're in the storm. We can't hear his voice. Like, God, are you close? God, are you nearby? God, do you see what is going, going on? God, do you see what I'm faced with? God, do you see what I'm struggling with? God, do you see what is struggling with me? God, do you see what is fighting me? God, do you see what, is, what I'm fighting? God, do you understand what I am facing? And the, the answer is, yes, he does. The only reason Jesus is sleeping with to begin with is because even he, remem he, he remembers that he's powerful. Are you following me now? Yes, sir. Jesus remembers he is powerful. And that's why he can sleep in a storm. That's why he can walk on the sea, on water, right? Yes. That's why he can literally be so chill when someone tells him that, hey, Master, Master, my daughter is about to die. That's Mark 5, right? A chapter right after this one. Jairus comes to, comes to meet him. Master, help me. Come with me to my house. My daughter is about to die. And Jesus says, all right. And on, Jesus, on the way, the woman with the issue of blood comes. He heals her. While they are celebrating that healing, servants from Jairus' house comes and they're like, do not bother, why bother the master, the, the master any longer? Uh, your daughter is dead. And the Bible says, Jesus, overhearing them, turns to him. You know what he says? I'll show you. Mark 5, right? And I'll take it to verse, um, where is it now? Verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said unto them, the rule, unto, unto the rule of the synagogue, he says what? Be not afraid, only believe. Be not what? Afraid, only believe. When it feels like God is not in action, are you following me now? All we need to do is what? Believe. Right? All we need to do is believe that God the Almighty is still in action. Is still in control. Things can get out, can go out of our control. But things are never out of His. The only thing beyond God's control. He has not yet made. Don't, don't, you all think I was going to like say, oh, it's this. Oh, it's the devil, y'all. No, no, shut up. The devil is in the palm of God's hands. Paul one time called the devil, he called the messenger. The devil, you know, the devil is so stupid. Um, and I want you to think, just pick this new angle when you're, when you're fighting the devil this week. The devil is so stupid, he is unaware of the fact that he's even Jesus' servant. He's unaware of the fact that God uses him for his own bidding. Mm -hmm. Like, do you think, let me tell you something. God literally called Jesus the devil and said, have you considered my servant Job? Are you following me? Yeah. Like, God wanted the devil to tempt and test Job. And sometimes it makes me think, is God so bored? <laughs> As to like, devil come, uh, look at Job, go and try him. But no, you see, the enemy has always wanted no, the enemy has always wanted Job. That's why his response to God was, Are you not the one who is shielding him? So that means the devil has been going over and over, checking out. He said that he said that was the same verse where he said, I'm going over the earth, you know, going to and fro, going to and fro, going to and fro the earth. He's going through to, to, to and fro, right? He wants to know. He, he, he was checking Job, checking Job. Is it open now? It's not open today. Goes, come back, comes back Monday night. Is it open today? Or is it not open? Comes now, coming back Tuesday morning. Is, is, is Job open? No, Job is not. And God calls him, uh, Devil, what are you doing? 
I was like, I'm just going to and fro. And God's like, uh, have you considered my servant Job? Like, so do you think God suggested it? Right? So it was always on the enemy's mind anyway. But why did God allow it? Because you see, like I said, the point of the storm is to place demand on our strength, right? But listen, also, the storm strengthens our faith. Are you following me now? It's the, it's the storms, what we go through, that strengthens it. If Lazarus never died, we never believed that Jesus could raise the dead. For four days. If, he had, if, if Jesus had appeared at the, at the grave the moment Lazarus died, they would assume, oh, oh, Jesus can, re- no, that Jesus can resurrect things that, di- that died very shortly. But Jesus waited four days. So he would raise, raise Lazarus. By this time, by all human and biological factor, he's already stinking. His body is starting to decay. Right? And so at this point, if Jesus raises Lazarus, it tells us that there is really, it doesn't matter how long it's been gone and dead, he can still give it life. And make it function as, if, as though he never died in the beginning. Are you following me now? Yes, sir. Like, if Jesus never, if God never did it through Moses, turning bitter water into sweet water, we never believe that Jesus can really, that God can ever bring sweetness out of bitterness. Sweet beginnings out of bitter endings. And follow me now. So the revelation, y'all, is in the storm. And I want you to know, look at this, look at this. The last thing the disciples say, and I'm going to say this, get out of y'all's way, and we can come back, next week, we can come back on Wednesday for prayer, and next week Sunday for, uh, and for part five, or part, yeah, part four, rather, of this series, God help us. But listen, it says this, and they feared exceedingly, and they said one to another, what manner of what? Man is this. That even the wind and the waves obey him. You see, the fault in the disciples' faith was a fault in recognition. Have you ever, you know this new feature that comes to Android phones now? Facial recognition? That's Android phones, smartphones. I, I say Android because I use Android, right? Uh, Samsung, I use Samsung, I don't use Android, I use Samsung, thank you. Um, any other phone you use that's Android, yeah, good. I use Samsung, if you use any other phone, lay at your altar, we pray for you, right? Um, but I use, I, I use uh, not iPhone, I use Samsung, which is better than iPhone, by the way. Um, thank you. No, this, this, is not, this is not me doing pro bono work for anybody. But anyway, I have no idea what pro bono even means, Jesus Christ. I just threw the word out. Now, you know this, that facial recognition feature, where you just put all the phone up to your face and then you unlock but you know it's funny how sometimes it does not unlock under different circumstances. Number one, the the you that is facing this thing does not look like the you that he registered. Mm. Especially for the women, the women always have problems with this, right? When you are you have this, you you know make your way heavy makeup, and that your husband doesn't even recognize you. I didn't expect your phone to recognize you when your husband doesn't even recognize you, right? Now, or or as it, maybe like for example, it's dark. The phone might not recognize you in the dark. Now, why am I saying this? The fault in the disciples' faith was a fault in right in what recognition. The reason they could not access, and the reason we find it hard to access a level of God sometimes, is just we we have a fault in our recognition of Him. Mm. They did not think Jesus to be God. Mm. They sadly saw Him only man. as a man. Wow. I follow me now. We do not see God as almighty all the time. And that is why sometimes we entertain that narrative in our mind that tells us that Jesus is just a man in the Middle East. A man from the Middle East. Or we tell ourselves that story that, oh, you know what, Jesus was just a random, random person that came one time with pretty hair. Follow me, everybody. And we buy this narrative. And if we find it hard to experience God, because remember what I said in the beginning, our revelation of God would always command our experience of Him. How much of God do you know? That is only what can affect how much of Him you experience. 
Are following everybody? Yes, sir. The reason the disciples could not even quiet the storms because they had the power. God had put that power inside of them. But the reason they could not rebuke the devil, the reason you find it hard to resist the enemy that he might that he might flee from you, is nothing other than because you do not have a good revelation of him, and so you cannot really experience him. Amen. Now. Amen. We can experience God because we don't really know God. And default in recognition is the reason the disciples had faith fault or faulty faith. Right? That's why they had faulty faith because of the fault in their what? Ability to recognize that Jesus is God. Let's be in our feet, everybody. So, Sandy, I want to ask us this question, and I want us to not just give me a cliched answer, right? On Wednesday in prayer, I said one thing. I said we should say this on Sunday, that God is God, and all the time, God is God, right? Right, is that how we say it? God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good, right? So we said God is God all the time, and all the time, God is God. Now, let me ask you, Really think deep down, deep, deeply about it. Do you think God is God? That is, do you think He is sovereignly almighty? Do you think God has all power in His hands? Because we don't, we certainly don't act like like we believe that. We certainly don't always act like He's almighty. The way we address and respond to storms don't always tell us. The way we do it doesn't always tell me that we know God. It doesn't only tell me that we believe in God. Are you following me now? Sure. Because now, if Jesus had not told Jairus to be not afraid, only believe, Jairus would have assumed, oh, sorry, Master. Because now, guess what, guys? The prophets of old did, could do healings. I mean, Elijah resurrected the Shunammite woman's son. Are you following me now? The prophets of old could do healings. They could do all those miracles. But none of them had ever quieted the seas. And so it was easy. I mean, I understand the disciples. I mean, I just got them some slack, right? The disciples' inability to recognize who Jesus is or Jesus was, right? Because then, I mean, he's not doing anything that the Bible has, has I mean, the prophets of old had healed. They needed the sick before, right? They had, to be honest, they had even raised the dead. I mean, no other person had raised the dead, like, anybody as, you know, as dead as, as uh, Lazarus was, of course. Right? Are you following me, everybody? Yes. And so somehow, they had seen Jesus do all of these things, but still they didn't really understand Jesus. They didn't really know that Jesus is not just a man. He is what? God. God. Are you following me, everybody? Now? Yes, sir. This week, I want us to go into, up, 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 go into our storms, because here's the thing. They would come. Maybe you're in one right now. Internal, you feel like the waters are in your boat already. External, they're fighting. You're, they are so close to your mind. You know those things, those wars that happen so close to your house. Yeah. It happens so close. It's, it's it's very close to home. When you're going through all of these things this week, I want to, I want you to think of savage Jesus like this. He might be quiet, but he's not absent. He's in charge. He's in control. I want you to think of Jesus. He's in charge. He's in control. He's in charge. He's in control. He's in charge. He's in control. Amen now. Amen. Who's in charge, guys? Jesus. Who's in control? Jesus. Who's in charge, guys? Jesus. Who's in control? Come on, let's not, let me hear that name very well. Who's in charge, guys? Jesus. Who's in control? Jesus. Who's in charge, guys? Jesus. Who's in control? One last time. Jesus. Who's in charge? Jesus. Who's in control? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is in control. Eyes closed all over this place. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for this moment, God, of revelation that you are in charge and you are in control. Over principalities and powers of darkness, you are in charge, you are in control. Over the devil, over forces of darkness that is mitigating against our peace, mitigating against our confidence, mitigating against our courage, mitigating against our, against our faith. You are in charge and you are in control. 
and we are with you. He told the disciples, let us go, let's go over to the other side. And they took him with them. We have taken Jesus with us. Say with me, everybody now. Say, say, say with me, everybody, with confidence. Say, Jesus. Jesus. You're in my boat. You're in my boat. And that is all that matters. And that is all that matters. Jesus. Jesus. You're in my boat. You're in my boat. And that is all that matters. That One last time. Jesus. Jesus. You're in my boat. You're in my boat. And that is all that matters. That is all that matters. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God, for a moment like this in your presence. You know that we are in your boat, oh God. And that is all that matters. Hey, but let me say this, guys. Remember, he said, he told them, let us go over to the other side. And then they took him with them. Are you here today and you know that your boat has one empty seat? And that empty seat is one that you have put people and things in, trying to control the boat. But nobody has ever, nothing has ever really fits into that position, right? You put money in there, you put people's opinions, you put social media, you put your work, et your work ethic, right? You put your job, you put your pride, you put everything there to try to be in control. But you know that really Jesus has not been in that position. Because that's where he sits, in the stern. He sits in the place of control. The psalmist says he rules in heaven and he rules over the affairs of men. That's, that's the position that Jesus occupies. The position of king. And what does the king do? He controls. And you know that Jesus is not sitting in that seat in your heart right now. This is the, this is the time to put Jesus in your boat. And you know what I mean very well, guys. This is the time to say yes to Jesus. To accept him into your heart as your Lord. You know what Lord means? The person in charge. Amen now. Amen. The Lord of the house is the person in charge of it. So right now, if you're that person, right now, I just want you to shoot your hand up right now, wherever it is that you are right now. Any kind of three, one, this is the best decision you'd ever make in your life. Putting Jesus in the middle of your boat, in the middle of your storm, in the middle of the mess, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of, 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 of everything going great, in the middle of everything going bad. Two, this is the best decision, the best time to put Jesus at the center of it. Three, if you're that person, just shoot your hand up right now. Thank you, Jesus, for this person that has shut their hand up right now, saying yes, they want you in their boat. We give you praise, Holy Spirit of God. Amen now. You put your hands down right now. Together, we say this prayer. And so we want to help the faith and courage of the person who is saying this prayer right now with us. Live, in real time, and even back in, in over there in, on podcast, whatever it is. We say this prayer together. Say, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I, accept I accept and admit, and admit that, you not yet that you are not yet in my boat. In my boat. I, accept I accept and admit that I am not fully surrendered, not fully surrendered. So, to you, O oh God. To you, oh God. So, today, so today, Father, Father I surrender my will, my mind, my emotion, my spirit, my body to you to be my Lord and my Savior. With your blood, wash me clean. With your body, make me whole. And from today, I am whole because Jesus is in me. Jesus is with me. Is Emmanuel is present within me. And from now on, it is no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. It is no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. It is no longer I who live. But Christ who lives in me. For by his death and his resurrection on the cross and from the grave, it has availed to me the position of the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Let's give God a big hand right now. Amen. Amen. If you just made that prayer, this is the best decision you made right now. There'll be a number that pops up on that. On, on, if you're on a WhatsApp platform, there's a number right now. I think it ends with 415. Uh, that number is, you would text it and just say saved. We want to reach out to you. We want to pray for you. And want God's spirit to breathe. And uh, we want to help you in this walk with um, uh, this walk of faith. Amen now. Amen. Everybody's still upstanding. Let me pray. We're going to pray together real quick. And then we pray and then we go home, whatever. Right now, I just want us to pray for times that we go through storms. 
Let, let us say Holy Spirit. Everybody say, say Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Give me a new revelation of you in the storms I am facing. Open your mouth to talk to you real quick. Open your mouth to talk to you. Father God, give me a new revelation of you in the storms that I am faced with. Father God, we're asking for a revelation of you. Father God, a revelation of you, a new revelation of you. In the- <coughs> In the storms that we are facing, God, in the storms that we are faced with, God, in the ones that we are that, that we go through, God, in the ones that go through us, God, Lord, God, give us a new revelation of You, Father God. In the name of Jesus, thank You, Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. Now, in Holy Spirit, this is us, God. We don't always get it right. Sometimes we are thrown into complete this, you know this. We're, we, we are just distraught, God, completely. Sometimes the storms that we are faced with, God. Because sometimes, because like we said, the storms places demand on our faith and our strength and uh, conflict upon our confidence. And sometimes when it happens, it feels like we have no confidence because of how quickly we, we seem to get to break, rather, under stress, under, under conflict, God. So we ask to whisper, God. That this revelation of you, God, will help us get that you give us a new revelation of you, first of all, so we can have a heightened experience of you. That we will know you as the Prince of Peace, that is, the Prince in the middle of the storm who brings peace. A version calls him the King of Peace, the one who owns peace, who is peace himself in the middle of the storms of life, God. Holy Spirit, that we will know you as our strength in the middle of our weaknesses, that we will know you as provider in the middle of lack. Help us, Holy Spirit, give us, God, a new revelation of you. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. We give you praise and glory, Father God. And come on, if you're grateful to be in God's presence, give God a big hand all over this place.